love the words to that song. It just uh, speaks so much profound truth. Life-changing truth for all of us. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, the sermon is titled, God is Calling, Who is Listening? Now, I want to start off this sermon showing you a video clip. It's a video clip from a movie from the mid-90s uh, where the protagonists uh, die. And so you get a picture of heaven, you get a picture of hell. Um, and so I, I thought it interesting as we're talking about God is calling, who's listening, what kind of the world, how the world kind of perceives the voice of God, how the world perceives our relationship with God. So it's a, just a short video clip. So if you could draw your attention to the screens, we'll go ahead and show that now. All right, there's more to that scene, but what I wanted to show to you, what I wanted to reveal to you from one of the dumbest movies ever made, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, is that in the movie, they're in heaven, and they're in the presence of God, and yet, as they're in heaven in the presence of God, where is he? He's still at the top of a staircase where they can't see his face, and they're still throwing up prayers while they're in heaven, hoping that God will respond to them, and I would venture to say that many of us see our relationship with God the same way. That he's out there and he's up there and he's so distant from us and far from us that, that we don't know if he's going to listen or not. And that's not the picture that we get of God from the scripture. And so I want to ask you the question, do you long to hear the voice of God in your life? Do you long to hear his voice? And I'm not just talking audibly. Of course, all of us would want to hear an audible voice, but many of us, when God speaks to us, we know it's his voice. Sometimes it's just a resonating in your heart. Sometimes it's a, a deep feeling. Sometimes it utilizes other people or, or specific scriptures where we read it and we're saying, he's saying that to me. We long for that. That same voice that spoke everything we can see and know into existence, that same voice that inspired the writers of scripture that brings living truth every time we read it, that same voice that said our name, well, we were still in our mother's womb. And so I, I firmly believe, and I hope you too, do too, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I don't believe that God is some distant person. Uh, you often get the, the image from the world as well of if you want to know the secrets of the universe, you have to go to the Himalayas and, and go on weeks and months treks, climbing to the highest mountain. And then there's some big fat old guy sitting up there and you say, what is the meaning of life? And he hands you a walnut or something. And that's not how God is. God is available. The gospel shows us that God came to us, that God dwelt with humanity on earth, that he bridged the gap. And he conquered sin and death on the cross of our consequence. 
He's enabled the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in the core of our being. And so he's always present and available to speak to and to listen to us. And so I want you to change, if you need to, your perspective on prayer and God's presence. When you know that God is ready and available, and, and, and it's not like in Bill and Ted where he's at the top of a staircase even in heaven. When you know that he's there, then you can have greater faith in everything you're facing in life. With that said, let's read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It said, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. So that's a great question that immediately rises up, right? I read that verse and I say, why? Why are the messages of God rare? Why are the visions uncommon? Was it that God wasn't speaking? When in the history of the world has God stopped speaking? Was it that his people weren't seeking or that they weren't listening? This simple sentence tells us so much. We've already established in the first two chapters that there is rampant rebellion and disobedience to God. Even the priests are stealing from God in the order and the process of worship. They're treating the, the sacred and the holy as common and ordinary, and they're also taking advantage of the women who are called to serve at the tabernacle. And if that's the priesthood, if that's the leaders of the faith, if that's those who are, who are entrusted with the word of God and, and directing it to the people, and they're the intercessors as the people come to them and they're delivering their messages to God, if that's who they are, how bad is the nation? When sin and disobedience are rampant, we can lose our ability to hear the voice of God. I would contend that God always speaks but we can't always hear it. Sometimes by our own actions, we place ourselves in a position where we can't hear. In Scripture, that's called the hardening of your heart. I would venture to say in the New Testament, that's what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit, is you get into a pattern of habitual sin where you are knowingly pursuing a sinful lifestyle. You're compromising, and you become somebody that you never intended to be, and you're just hard-hearted. The Word of God can't penetrate your heart and reach the core of your being. It's the difference between living with a, in a house with paper-thin walls or living in a soundproof room. The, the first house Lee and I bought in Westover had really thin walls. It was an old house. And, uh, and our neighbors used to stand outside and, and smoke about 2 a.m. And so we'd hear their whole conversation and all the rest. It was Really interesting. But if you want a house where you can hear what's going out in the outside world, that was a great house. But most of us don't choose to live in, in houses like that in our lifetime. We, we want to live in soundproof rooms. We lock our doors. We shutter the windows. And then we put our hands in our fingers and go, la, 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 la. You know, our fingers in our ears and go, la, la. We, we don't want to hear. And so that's what I'm saying. Are we placing ourselves in position where we can literally hear the voice of God? Or are we closing ourselves off? You know, sometimes it's as simple as hurts and wounds. It may not be your sin. It may be that you're so hurt and wounded by life and how God's plans for you haven't matched up with your plans that you have pushed away from God. It may not be this pattern of willful sin. It may just be that you're mad at Him and you're closed off. Either way, you can't hear God's voice if you're not allowing him an opportunity to speak to you. He's always speaking. Let's keep reading, verses 2 through 14. 
One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you. Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel! And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Have you ever had nights like that when you have little kids, right? Go back to bed. (laughs) Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Some of you may not remember this, but I do. The first sermon I ever preached at Covenant was, the lamp of God has not gone out yet from this passage of Scripture. You see, when God gave the instruction for worship in the tabernacle in the temple, there was supposed to be a lamp that was set up right outside of the Holy of Holies in this special room where it was to never go out. The priests were supposed to have it perpetually lit like the tomb of the unknown soldier. And so it was to signify that God's presence can't leave, that that light always overcomes darkness, that, that God's light of presence is always there. And it shows the decadence of the priesthood that they were allowing that light to go out. They weren't even following that basic practice, probably because it's in a secluded place that no one else can see. How does the rest of the world know, know whether or not we are allowing this light to shine or not? And so, um, to make things worse, we find out where Samuel's bedroom is. His bedroom is either in that exterior room where that light is lit, or he's actually in the Holy of Holies. Now, that's strange, right? Because what we know about the Holy of Holies historically is that no one goes into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, where God's presence is, unless it's that one time of year. So if that becomes his bedroom, or him even being in this outer room, that's really odd, that's really strange. Do you know what I take from this? Eli, who's the head priest, is entrusted with Samuel. The the sin is so rampant that the safest place to have a boy's bedroom is near the Holy of Holies. That's sad. In God's house, there is no safer place for that boy to sleep. Terrible, awful, wicked. How can you hear God's voice When nothing is sacred or holy anymore. When there is no respect for God or His design for your life. Samuel was growing up in a truly lost generation. 
Thankfully, it didn't stay lost because the nation of Israel is still there. God did something along this line, and Samuel's going to be a key component of that. But here's my challenge to us this morning. Our society, even those claiming to be Christian, look more and more like the world all the time, right? What's sacred, what's holy is treated as, as common or, or ordinary. There, there isn't a same reverence or respect for God, His voice, who He is. And so the key to all of this, for each one of us, is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We live in a day and age where everything is about comparison. Everything is about self-actualization and validation and all the rest. And so there's a tendency for all of us to compare ourselves to other people. Well, I'm better than them. I'm more holy than them. I go to church more than them. I tithe more than them. Whatever in your mindset elevates you above anybody else, watch it. Watch that. Because if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, He becomes our perpetual standard. He becomes our reason for living. And when we keep our eyes on Him, it's not about comparison. He allows our heart, as we fall in love with Him more and more, our heart breaks for those that are lost around us. And we don't compare ourselves to them. We want to go and reach out to them and love them and have them experience the same fullness of life that we're experiencing. So fix your eyes on Jesus in this season. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And I would even venture to say as, as elections are coming up, and, and I do encourage you guys to vote. Vote for, for, and I know this is difficult, vote for who may be the most God-honoring of all the candidates out there. Um, I want you guys to, to continue to, to, as you watch the news, or you get reports, or you see what's happening, recession and all these things, focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith whose perfect plan will come to completion. And we know the end of the story. Put yourself in a place where you can hear God. If you're living in willful disobedience, it's like locking that door or shutting the windows or putting your fingers in your ears. So God does call Samuel in this passage. Why? Maybe he's close enough to his presence to hear him, right? He's right next to the Ark of the Covenant. As young as he is, it says that he hadn't heard the voice of God before. Maybe even he's not tainted by the sinful practices of those that are around him. He's got poor examples. We'll see in the future that Samuel never had a great example for how to parent. And so when he becomes a parent and he has to pass things on to his kids, they're like, we don't, we don't want your kids to rule over us. They're not like you. He didn't have a great example. And God speaks to him while he's trying to sleep. I know I hear better when I'm not as busy. So it's bow hunting season. And uh, I love getting out in the woods, period. But I, I've realized when I sit in my blind, things change for me. I get still and I can listen. And, and I hear birds chirping and rattling in the leaves. I'm able to distinguish now, the more I've been out there, which animal is which. You know, I, I, I've heard mice scurrying underneath the grass and leaves. You know, I can, I can hear turkeys flying off their roost. And if, if I'm really lucky, I'll get to hear a deer's gentle footsteps within the woods. Um, but I've also noticed that my eyesight is more keener, that I'm more aware and, and able to decipher what I'm seeing quicker 
than if I've just gone out in the woods maybe once in a year. The more I go out there, the more I realize. Even my sense of smell. Like, deer can smell really well, and so I don't want to smell in a way that alerts the deer, and so I'm, a, I'm available to how I'm smelling. I'm trying to pick up other smells in the woods, and that's one, one part of our senses I don't use very often. Uh, and so it, that's getting sharper. But what I'm trying to get at is I'm putting myself in a place where I can listen. I'm putting myself in a circumstance where I can be aware of, of the presence of deer in order to have an interaction with them. And so God speaks to Samuel and he can hear his voice because he's still without distraction in a place where God wants to speak to him. It makes sense. That's why some of us have dreams and visions because that's the only time in our day where God can speak to us. Because you're still and you're quiet and you're not being distracted. And so he, he intersects with us in our, in our dreams. This makes sense. He's in the perfect place. He's right outside uh, the Holy of Holies. Now, most of you probably know this passage. Man, it's a great teaching for kids' church, right? I mean, that's probably where I remember hearing it the most. And so often we focus on the fact that Samuel didn't recognize the voice of God. It makes sense. He's so young, right? But I think the greater focus on the passage should be why Eli doesn't recognize the voice of God. Eli, who not only doesn't recognize that God is speaking to the young man, but that the message that God delivers to Samuel isn't for Samuel. It's a message for Eli. And so this passage is, is not so much about Samuel. It's about Eli. Why does this man who has placed this child in front of God's presence, not understand that when he's in that place, he's hearing the voice of God. It takes three times for Eli to catch on. And then it's a message intended just for Eli. In chapter 2, the end of chapter 2 that we've already covered, God sent a prophet to Eli to tell him about God's judgment on his family because of his, sons and the, and the, because of his sins and the sins of his sons. Now God sends a second message to Eli through Samuel. I'm guessing the first message didn't sink in. Even when God spoke, Eli was unwilling to listen. So my question is, that, is that you and I? Are we unable to listen to the voice of God? Are we unwilling to hear what he says? As a pastor, people give me lots of messages that they think I need to hear from God or, or not from God. And, and I welcome all of them because I want to be teachable. I want to be available. I want, I, I want to make sure that I'm hearing from God clearly. And, and, and as I test what somebody's telling me and with God's word and my own prayer life, it validates it or doesn't validate it. Either way, I want to be open to the voice of God. It says in the passage that he was old and almost blind. I think he was not just almost blind physically, but spiritually. He was numb doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been going to church. If you've placed yourself in a position where you can't hear the voice of God, you better start moving. And it's twice as dangerous if God speaks to you through someone else and you don't heed His voice. The greatest tragedy in this passage is not only the loss of relationship between God's priest and Himself, it's that without those who should know God listening, the nation of Israel was lost in their sin with no one else to guide them. 
if we who are the church know God or claim to know God and we're not listening and we're saying God's not speaking anymore, how is the world going to know? We, we, we need to change our nation. I have people telling me, look at what's happening in our political system and, 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 and our government and, and, and you know, all these things. We gotta, we gotta rally. We've gotta, you know how our nation changes? When God's people get into a place where they can hear God's voice, they confess their sin, they get right with Him, they become passionately in love with their Savior, and then they go out and change the world. That's how our nation turns back to God, but it starts with you and I. Bill Walker last week gave us a, an amazing message on Mission Sunday. I love what he said. He said, you can't have a heart for international missions if you don't have a heart for your community. If you're not reaching your neighborhood, your coworkers, and your loved ones. And I believe he's absolutely right. But I would add to that message that we'll not be willing to share the gospel with others until we have a vibrant relationship with God ourselves. Until we're seeking His voice, hearing it, and applying it to our lives. I could give you all the evangelistic training in the world. I could give you tracts. I could give you the right questions to ask. We could make a whole business out of it. But it won't make a bit of difference if it doesn't come from you sharing Jesus, the one that you love, with someone else. Let's keep reading. 15 through 21. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the door of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. That's a loving father figure there. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and give messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. So God is speaking. He will raise up those who are listening and willing to obey. And so the choice is before each of us today. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be Eli or Samuel? Eli heard the word of the Lord through someone else, and it didn't change his heart one bit. If God is having to send people to you to deliver a message from the Lord, there's a problem. Because what we know from the gospel is the Holy Spirit should be residing in the core of your being. And he wants to have a direct relationship with you. You better be listening. Unfortunately, it was a message of demise because of his sin. And as a response, what did he get? No repentance, no remorse, no heart change, no confession, even to a boy like Samuel. He simply says, it is the Lord's will, let him do what he thinks best. And my heart cries out, no! Right? That is not the heart of our God. What is the will of God? The will is, of God is that none perish, but that all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
No one goes to hell unless they choose to go. And so, why does God send a message to Eli twice? Wasn't the, He already got the message. Change your ways. Reach your sons or you will perish. Why does He send the second message? Come on, man. This is it. This is it. The choices you make impact you and future generations. Eli isn't teachable. And for whatever reason, he refuses to change. I don't know what his excuse was. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm set in my ways. I'm blind. In contrast, you have Samuel. Samuel grows up. People know that the Lord is with him. He's reliable. The word he teaches, people know is the voice of God. Do you know why? Because Samuel is a person that doesn't look at his age, doesn't look at his rank, doesn't care about reputation. He will deliver the word of the Lord no matter if it's popular or not. He's willing to give a message of truth to people in authority no matter the consequences. Samuel loves God. And so it all began, this rise of Samuel, all began with a little boy who listened to the voice of God and obeyed and became exactly who God designed him to be. And we'll see that he's going to bring revival to a whole nation. So we want revival in our church, in the church as a whole, in our nation. What are we going to start off doing? Realizing if we're living in a soundproof room, we gotta, we got to open those shutters. we got to open the windows. we got to unlock the door. Put on a screen door maybe. Keep the bugs out at least. And listen to the voice of God. God, clean out my home. Clean out my life. If there's any sinful way in me, purify me. Cleanse it. Uh, and the thing about cleaning your house, we all know this. You can clean, you can purge. But unless you have a plan for afterward, what are you going to do? You're going to fill it up with junk again. You clean it, you purge it, and then you make it available for God to fill it with what he will. You listen, you obey, and that's the simplicity of our Christian faith. It's it. As I've shared with you before, to summarize our faith in two simple words, it's Jesus saying, follow me. But you can't hear his instruction for every day if you're not in a place where you can listen. And so I'm going to end the sermon with the same question. God is calling. Who is listening? And whoever listens, that's who he can use. Lord, I pray today that you would help us, Lord. We, we don't have the strength on our own. Help us to put ourselves in positions where we can hear your voice clearly. Cleanse our hearts and minds of sinful patterns or distractions or, or good things or excuses that we've made. Help us to get still, Lord. I think it's our natural tendency in the culture in which we live is that we believe to be more effective for you, we've got to be busier. But I know, Lord, from what you've taught me, that busier isn't always better. For me, some of the best things to do is to do less 
and be more available to you, to be more still, to be more listen, and not move until I know where you want me to go next. God, if we're at a place where our heart has gotten so hardened that we can't hear your voice, please send us individuals with a clear message from you that will be able to speak to us in boldness. Help us to receive those things, Lord. And God, I do pray for revival in the church and uh, new life in our world. I pray that you would turn of the hearts of our nation back to you, Lord. That, that you would change our course of direction just like you did during Samuel's day and age. But Lord God, help us to recognize that it begins with us and us pursuing you passionately. That as we fall deeply in love with you, that it, it just spreads naturally, organically, Lord. Because what we're passionate about, that's what we talk about, that's what we share That's how we live. So Lord, renew that passion within our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Before the worship team comes up this morning, we're going to receive communion.